Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. While the coronavirus has hit hard the food and beverage industry over the past four months, players across the supply chain have worked closely with federal agencies and the government to improve manufacturing processes and temporarily ease what the Consumer Brands Association characterizes as outdated or flawed pre-pandemic policies. The trade group argues that many of these changes have helped to keep delivery trucks running, modernize inspections and audit models, establish new best practices, add labeling flexibility, and streamline manufacturing, among many other benefits. Not wanting these improvements or lessons learned from the outbreak to go to waste when the threat of the virus eases and the country returns to a more conventional regulatory environment, the trade group argues that 10 of these policies amended during the pandemic should be made permanent. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, CBA Executive Vice President of Public Affairs Brian Zumwalt discusses how these reforms were made, how they help safely keep food on store shelves and in shoppers' pantries, why they should be made permanent, and what industry can expect going forward. One area where CBA sees significant improvement and potential is around transportation. Already strained before the outbreak, transportation demands during the pandemic intensified to the point where produce was rotting in fields and products were stuck at warehouses waiting for trucks while some grocery store shelves were bare. In response, somewhat lauded the government for easing the hours of service rules, something he says the trade group has long lobbied for. He also praised the government for essentially creating a nationwide pilot to test the safe operation of heavier trucks on U.S. highways. So starting with the hours of service rules, this is actually something consumer brands and, and other associations have been focused on for a time. Um, but in particular, allowing the additional flexibility for truck drivers, um, whether it's uh, increasing the driving time, expanding the, the driving hours during adverse conditions, uh, adjusting break times and dwell times, what it did was open up uh, an additional level of flexibility that truck drivers did not have pre-COVID-19, and it allowed for uh, that additional support, the additional time the truck drivers could be on the road moving goods and services uh, around the country, goods and products around the country, to ensure that people uh, and retailers had the products they need and store shelves were stocked. And so... This is something, again, we've been pushing for for an extended period of time. It was highlighted during COVID-19. It was an important policy change, and we're very pleased that the uh, Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration agreed with us and, and has decided to make those, those changes permanent. Another one is, you know, safely modernizing truck weight limits, which you brought up. Uh, again, this has been a, a policy and political issue in Washington for a number of years. Uh, it's probably a little more difficult to get across the finish line, but what happened during COVID-19 was you essentially created in the federal government in allowing temporary flexibility in those decisions at the state level, allowed what essentially turned out to be a pilot program, uh, if you will, where we're going to have an honest sense of how the allowance for additional truck weights provided 
uh, additional uh, support and ability to move products and goods around the country more efficiently and sustainably. And so we're excited to see, you know, lessons learned from that policy decision and, and if there is opportunity to make it permanent. But without question, being able to uh, move more product in, in, a, in larger truckloads would, would definitely help in, in terms of, of supply chain, sustainability, uh, those kind of issues. This conversation, we have not seen the negative impacts that, that uh, may be concerning to our industry and our workers as, as well as the general public. Um, I think having the additional flexibility, hours of service flexibility, is something the truck drivers have been asking for as well. Uh, the trucking industry has also asked for the additional flexibility uh, on weight limits and being able to move products in, in that fashion. I think the empirical evidence, uh, when we're done, again, this has sort of been a pilot project on the truck weight component in particular, uh, hopefully it's going to show, and, and I think we have a little confidence, it's going to show that it's uh, – it's something we're able to do safely in protecting uh, workers and truck drivers and, again, uh, more efficiently uh, move products around during the crisis. The need to maintain social distance during the pandemic also posed significant challenges to routine inspections and third-party audits. But Sumwalt said it also revealed alternative approaches to replace in-person practices that could save companies time and resources. One example is FDA's two-tiered pilot inspection program for food manufacturers. I think what COVID-19 illustrated was that it is possible to, to facilitate efficient regulatory oversight by inspectors and, and verification of suppliers and auditors through alternative approaches that replace certain in-person practices. And, and one of the things that showed some positive sign in this process was FDA's recent two-tiered pilot inspection program. Uh, for food manufacturers is a great example of how inspection systems can be modernized. And, you know, we're potentially looking at an environment, depending on how long uh, responding to COVID-19 takes and, and potentially future pandemics, where there's going to be a need for uh, less interpersonal interaction in order to provide the level of inspections necessary to ensure uh, food products and food safety and that consumers receive those at, at, at home. And so how do, we, how do we go forward and what can we do going forward is a lesson learned component of, of working with FDA this time around, the pilot projects they're engaged in, and, and, and future technologies uh, going forward. The urgency created by the pandemic also revealed regulators' ability to more quickly respond to stakeholder questions, a process that Zumwalt said has historically taken weeks to clear common questions for the general public, but which happened much faster during the early days of the outbreak. Zumwalt explained that CBA hopes going forward to expand the government's capability to provide speed-of-business regulatory responses to stakeholders. He added that the trade group also would like to see expedited creation of just-in-time best practice documents. Industry and, and companies are generally reticent to operate unless they have a clear directive uh, from the federal government in terms of the way they are operating and moving products and services. Particularly during a pandemic, you want to ensure that you have the support and uh, uh, regulatory framework and the regulatory decisions are being made in a way that uh, FDA, USDA, again, these other federal agencies can approve you getting products to market. And so it's, it's critical you have open lines of communication. It's critical that 
uh, the agencies work with industry, and we had a great coalition of, of industry partners, trade association partners that were uh, suggesting guidance, working with the agencies to develop guidance, and seeking the opportunity for approval uh, of the and bless, essentially the federal government's blessing on a lot of actions we took during this process. To help ease supply pressures at the retail level, once restaurants and food service providers were no longer operational, the government temporarily eased some labeling requirements to allow for sale of bulk items or repackaged food previously destined for food service. For example, FDA allowed restaurants to sell packaged food without nutrition facts labeling direct to consumers with the recognition that many manufacturers had more product than packaging. FDA made similar allowances for shell eggs sold in bulk to restaurants to be divvied up to consumers. CBA argues that the flexibility allowed these food streams to be redirected as needed should be maintained to avoid orphaned products in the future. But some will also acknowledge this will be an area where likely there'll be the most lessons learned that are ripe for analysis. It's, I, I think from a food safety perspective and information consumer perspective, this is going to be one of the areas uh, where there's going to be the most possible in terms of lessons learned uh, in responding to a pandemic. As I said, what as I kind of shared, what's, what's different here you know, instead of a traditional kind of emergency response type situation where perhaps there's a, a hurricane or something those long, along those lines where you're just trying to deliver products, re, rebuild the supply chains, get products back out to uh, uh, those affected. In this situation, you had a fundamental shift in the market and that all of a sudden, all the food product that was intended to go to uh, restaurants, and not even food products, disinfectants, hand, hand sanitizers, all the things that uh, the restaurant uh, industry needed, completely dried up. So how do you facilitate all of a sudden moving all that product over to uh the retail sector and move it over to industry and the critical workforce that needs those products immediately to make up for uh, the restaurant market essentially drying up. And this is this is super interesting in terms of, of where we're going to go. And I, I think we have broad agreement. It continues. To, it's an area that's going to be a lot of lessons learned. How do we ensure that the accurate information is provided? But the alternative to not being able to have that labeling flexibility is, again, you could have had a lot of orphaned product that never that was critically needed that never would have made it to the consumer or the essential workforce. So, again, it's, it's going to be an interesting area to keep working through, but it's something that's critical to make happen if we ever, run again, run into a pandemic-type situation. Another labeling change that CBA would like to see post-COVID-19 is expanded digital disclosure of production information, which Zumwalt says is essential now that so many consumers are shopping for food online. You know, the latest Nielsen data shows in-store uh, purchases of CPG products has risen 45% versus 2019, and online purchases have grown by more than twice that rate, increasing by a whopping 91%. So, you, know, you have these 100 million online buyers uh, with lack of access to paper labels and, and physical product information on the package. And so how do you keep them appropriately informed is the question. And Consumer Brands Association, uh, we own Smart Label, and this is something we've been thinking about even prior to COVID-19. And what is the – a good way to describe it, what is the future of the informed consumer look like? And – 
I think there's a real opportunity going forward uh, to utilize digital platforms to be a one-stop shop for information the consumer may need. And that's everything from uh, food safety to expiration dates to how to even recycle the package the product came in. And so we're super interested in where uh, you know, digital disclosure might be propelled uh, post-COVID-19, but it's also something that we're keenly interested on even prior to COVID-19 as a way of, of keeping the, the consumer informed um, because we, we haven't found a decrease by any stretch of the imagination in terms of the information the consumer wants to know about their products. Finally, CBA would like regulators to adopt a switch and notify approach to supplier changes to avoid disruption in production and delivery of high-demand commodity ingredients and products. Zumwalt explained that prior to COVID-19, EPA required manufacturers of certain products to stop lines and request in advance approval when changing suppliers of inert or inactive product ingredients. But during the COVID-19 crisis, EPA moved to switch and notify policy for manufacturers changing suppliers of select commodity ingredients so that production could continue and shortages could be avoided. Uh, shortly after the quarantines hit and uh, the directives came down that everybody needs to be extremely careful as it relates to COVID-19, there was a shortage of, of hand sanitizer, disinfectant wipes. I mean, those were one of the, the top products that were disappearing off the shelves at the retailers uh, and even online uh, in the early stages uh, of COVID-19 in the response. And, and even now, there's still some challenges in acquiring those products just because demand flat exploded. And what was important in how this is different than a, a normal type crisis, I guess, again, a, a hurricane type situation, is that you are dealing with international supply chains where some of these products and ingre- ingredients that are needed to make these products could have broken down. And I think we all can imagine what it would have been like if a uh, disinfectant manufacturer or a hand sanitizer manufacturer had to shut down for 90 days in some region of the country and you weren't able to deliver those products at all. The challenge it could have been, uh, and really the safety issue it could have become, is significant. So getting that additional flexibility to acquire from suppliers uh, essentially the exact same product, whether it's an active ingredient or uh, inert ingredient to make hand sanitizers, disinfectants, etc., was critical to ensuring the supply and important to ensuring the supply chain stayed open and manufacturers continue to produce those products, which, uh, again, uh, at the end of the day, I don't know what the final numbers are going to look like, but was easily one of the top 10 products, hand sanitizers and disinfectants, probably top five. Wouldn't surprise me if it's actually top one uh, in terms of increased sales and overall need of the consumer and, and the essential workers during this uh, crisis. Zumwalt acknowledges that not everything on CBA's wish list will be easy or quickly implemented. But he said that the trade group hopes that the momentum, goodwill, and open lines of communication created during the pandemic will help carry conversations and change forward. Until then, he praised the industry for its innovation, endurance, and ability to supply the products that consumers need every day. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.